0: If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here's the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Mickey Gaffin-Stone.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Navigating Complicated Relationships. This week, we're talking about parenting the child you have in front of you. And this is this is specifically named because every child brings different challenges, and some of them can be more challenging than others. So if you think that what I'm about to say doesn't necessarily apply to you because X, Y, Z for your child, uh, yeah, it does. So hang on. Listen, make some notes, and let me know what you think. If you have questions, ask them. I am Mickey Gaffin Stone, your host, and I am a board certified behavior analyst. I also am a human design specialist, you could say. And I use both of those to help you navigate the tricky relationships in life. So, parenting the child that you have can be a very tricky thing to navigate. How many people are telling you that you're doing it wrong? or have told you that you're doing it wrong? How often do you end the day exhausted and worried that you just don't have enough left for the next day? How are you gonna do this? These can be signs that you're under a lot of pressure to conform to other people's expectations. And you know what? I'm here to tell you, they don't know your child the way you do. So let's look at some authentic parenting your way, not what the neighbor said, not what your parents said, not what, Joe Blow on social media said, but what you know is going to work for your child. And we'll we'll look at some of that today. We're going to explore some outside-the-box thinking for you to consider and, you know, apply where it works for you. Take it and run with it. Go do something else. The first thing I'd like to do, if you've listened to me before on navigating complicated relationships here on the Inspired Choices Network. If you've listened to me before, then you know I like to reframe things in a very positive light because why wouldn't you? Right? So, everybody agrees parenting is hard. Okay. And sure, it it is. It can be. But if you look at parenting through that lens, before you even do anything today, before you even pour your coffee, you are setting yourself up for a tough day and you're setting your child up for potentially a tough day too. So how about you look at it as something, you know, find a phrase that works for you. Uh, Parenting is an inspiring opportunity or parenting is a challenge and I'm here for it. I can do this. You know, give yourself some positive frame instead of parenting is hard because if you come at it from that aspect, it will be hard. You, You know, you're looking for that. I've mentioned before that you have a part of your brain called the reticular activating system, or the RAS, and that is a part of your brain that filters out a whole lot of information that's in front of you. You can't possibly use everything that's in front of you. So the reticular activating system filters for the things that you're focusing on, because That must be important. You're focusing on it, right? So, if you're focused on parenting being hard, your reticular activating system, being ever helpful, will say, Huh, okay, that's what you're looking for. Let me give you some more of that. How about this? And you start finding all kinds of things that are hard, right? It becomes very difficult to see your child or the day in a positive light when you've started from a parenting is hard angle, okay? So put a different color on your lens for the day. I'm not saying everything's bright and sunny and pretend that it's that way, but at least if you start with a little optimism, then you know, you'll know you get more of that from your environment. So before we get any further, let's have an agreement. Your child is not, nor should they be, like every other kid, okay? So it follows that they don't need the same parenting. As every other kid. So in this conversation today, I'm hoping that we will set you up for some success and your child will have success too. Now, let's look at kids with special needs first, because as I said, it's parenting the child you have. Whatever they're presenting you with, let's parent to that. Now, all behavior is communication, and that's important to know. So there isn't a bad behavior there's communicating something either in a less effective way that can be destructive, it can be problematic, or there's communicating a massive problem and there's no way to make that look good, okay? So all behavior is communication. What is the behavior that you're currently looking at and don't like? What is that communicating to you? Let's not look at the label of the child first, because labels are only good for accessing services if you need them and want them. But if if you're not looking for services, then the label's not wildly helpful. In fact, sometimes it can be more of a barrier. You know, you you don't greet someone and say, hey, my name's Joe and I have diabetes, right? But how often do parents introduce their children as, you know, oh, this is Sophie and, and she has autism. You know, it's like, why would you introduce the label? That's kind of odd, but people do it. And I think it's often we're, we're trying to sort of say any behavior that comes up is nobody's fault. This is what it is, right? That's what the label the label's like a shield. But it also limits how people view your child. So it, ha- it limits how you view your child, actually. I've had a parent ask me before now when there was some very challenging behavior going on. is is he doing this because of the autism or is, is this something other kids do? And the parent was very focused on figuring out how much of this behavior was autism. And she was kind of not thrilled with my response, but I said, it honestly doesn't matter. The question is, do you want the behavior to change? And if so, what are we looking for here, right? So if the behavior is a problem, it doesn't really matter if it comes from a diagnosis or not. What matters is what is that child trying to get? Does in behavior analysis, you call that the function of the behavior. What are they looking for? They either want something or they want to get away from something. And generally speaking, they want both, right? I wanna get away from my math homework and I wanna get to my computer game, for example. So if the child doesn't have a good way of communicating they're likely to throw a major hissy fit and maybe tear up the math homework and grab the iPad right that's telling you what i just said but it's not very helpful so we would work on finding ways to help your child say what say that even if they're nonverbal get that behavior to express what they need without tearing things up and throwing things right So that's the role of a behavior analyst is to work with you, with your child and find a more uh, sort of happy way to get that place that the child's trying to get to. And also to help you to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. You know, it's not that they're trying to upset you. This little person is relying on you. So you're you're their life. You, You keep them safe. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, you, you feed them, you clothe them. They're, they're not going to deliberately annoy you. So that behavior is important. And we need to look at where that's coming from. If you want to have a conversation about this, please do send me an email, Mickey at gaffinstone.com or find me on Facebook. There's only one Mickey Gaffinstone. And send me a message and we can talk about that because there's a lot of work to do if that's how your child is showing up whether they're verbal, nonverbal, whatever the diagnosis, there's always something that you can do that helps your child be in a happier place and a happier child is a happier parent. So bear that in mind. And if you have some questions, let me know. Now, I wanna get onto some of the sort of common parenting issues that come up and people don't even know they're a problem, okay? The first one I'm gonna mention is sharing right? Every parent teaches their child how to share. It's it's a big focus, and it's society really puts pressure on you, right? If you're at the playground and your child's using a piece of equipment, another kid comes along and wants it, the parent of the other child is likely to be hot on their heels, sort of giving you the stare, right? Like, my kid needs a turn. Okay, that's public property, so fair dues, you can take turns. But When is it not appropriate for your child to share? Well, I have seen some examples of kids at birthday parties and the child whose birthday it is gets all these, you know, wonderful glittery toys and everything, right? Cool. Except then the kids at the birthday party, then want to play with the new toys. And you might have somebody that gets really upset about it and, you know, feels that they're missing out and... Parents hate for their kids to feel like they're missing out. So the pressure begins. Your child needs to share their birthday toys. Well, this is up to you, of course, but my opinion would be they absolutely do not. You know, it is their birthday. And the key here is that if you have your stuff, right, it's yours. It's not common property. How often do you as an adult feel okay sharing that? There's going to be a lot of times where you say, uh, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm hanging on to this, thanks. But if you want to go get one, it's over there. You know, adults don't share anywhere near as much as we expect kids to. Now, that's think about that for a moment. What are we saying here? So it's a case of do what I say, but not what you're seeing me do. So that's one thing. But hidden messaging, let's have a look at that for a moment. If your child is, it's let's stick with the birthday party. They're having their birthday party, they've got these toys, they want to explore them, and they're all excited. And another kid comes along. I want that. And parent says, Well, you know, you can let them, you'll have it later. But what you've just said to that child is that what's yours is not really yours, and somebody can come and take it from you. That leads to some insecurity. You know, that that is a concern for that child. You're also telling them in no words but in action, that what they want isn't particularly important in this case. Somebody else's requirements are higher than theirs. And when you put the adult who's giving you the frowning face, when you give them priority over your child, that too is sending a message, right? That's a concern because you don't want your child to feel less than everybody else especially on their birthday. Right. That's that's just wow. No wonder some kids have tough times with their birthdays. So that's something to consider. And if your child is really busy with something, they're really into it. And another kid comes along and wants to take it from them. That's a no. You know, I I would not advocate that you have the child give it up at that point, because, again, you're telling them, hey, It it doesn't matter what you want. This other person wants to take this thing from you. You know, when they're at school, this is the kid that comes and takes your lunch money away. You know, these are not good lessons that we're teaching, even though the intention might be, hey, my child needs to know how to share. Well, sure they do, but they also need to know when to and when not to. So consider it from your own perspective. When do you want to share and when do you not want to? You know, if you've got a brand new cashmere sweater and I come along and say, oh, I love that. Yeah, I saw you just took it out of the bag. Can I borrow that? And I'm going to run off with it. I'll bet you'd fight me for it. You know, you're not going to say yes to that. So why do we expect more from our kids? It's, it's a thing to consider, right? When we're asking them to share, that child is not in control of their stuff somebody else has priority, and that can lead to resistance to sharing. So you want your child to be good at sharing, but if you push it at the wrong time, they will actually be extremely resistant to it, even when it is a good idea to share. So those are some thoughts for you to consider. While we head on our first break, and I can't believe we're there already, That's, that's just crazy. So don't leave. Stay right here with Inspired Choices Network and me, your host, Mickey Gaffin-Stone on Navigating Complicated Relationships. I will see you shortly.
0: What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Mickey Gaffin-Stone, will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific, on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? email, become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffinstone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program.
1: Welcome back, everyone. You are here on the Inspired Choices Network, listening to me, Mickey Gaffin Stone. And today we're talking about parenting the child you have. And again, I mentioned in the beginning that the title is very intentional. It's also because I want you to be looking at your child as who they are and let's meet them where they are, not where you think they ought to be or where somebody else told you they are. You know, other people are very quick to tell us things about our kids, and they they really don't know. They might be projecting onto your child a failure of their own, and I have examples for that for days, or they might be, you know, just giving you one small perspective, and who doesn't have a bad day, right? But if you listen to someone who has seen your child on a bad day, they might give you all kinds of muddy lenses to look through that really aren't fair to your kid. So look at who you have in front of you and let's parent that child. Another area I'd like to look at before the break, we looked at sharing and when to, when not to and the trouble that can cause when you push it. The next thing I'd like to go to is emotions. Now, every parent ever gets Upset when their child is crying and is upset. You know, your child's running across the playground, they fall over, skin their knees, cry, right? Of course they do. It hurts and they're picking gravel out of their knee. But the parent doesn't like their child to be hurting and upset. So they'll find ways to help. You know, the cuddle, that's great. But then there's the don't cry here, have an ice cream or don't cry here, have a cookie. Now we've discussed this in previous episodes where we looked at emotional eating, because you betcha that's where it starts. When you use food as a comfort, because you don't you want your child to stop crying, and really you want them to stop crying because you'll feel better. That that's the absolute truth. That's why we do it as parents. Yes, we don't want our kid to cry, but it's mostly because we feel badly about it. So instead of just, you know, letting them cry it out and and letting them express their frustration to having fallen over and you know spend time there we, t- we tend to get them to stuff it down with a distraction or food whatever we have available right now hugs are great so let's not take those away but when it comes to expressing emotions we often sort of get in the way of our child doing that we we press it down we don't like it so, you know, if a child's angry, how many parents are comfortable with their kid being angry? Or, or do you feel that that's a challenge to your parenting authority? You know, that can often be the case. Don't you talk back to me? You know, don't, don't you get angry at me? Well, okay, but where can they be angry? When can they be angry? You know, kids, kids experience anger. And the thing is, they don't necessarily know what to do with it. When they experience it, this is a teaching opportunity for the parent. But the question here is what do you model? How are you handling when anger comes up? Do you go kick the cat? Do you, you know, get mad and yell at people? Do you have something functional that you do with it? What do you do with your anger? Because your child is learning from you. And they're also learning that if you, don't let them express that anger in any way, then they learn to stuff it down. And guess how that shows up later in life? Stuffed down anger shows up as self-sabotage. It's, it's a sort of a self-defeating, you know, it becomes a self-destruct mechanism, pretty much, where you have this internal anger and it's just like, oh, never mind, I'll just mess it up myself, and then nobody has to tell me anything you know, that's the sort of internal narrative that can go on. And it comes from not being able to express anger. Now, with human design, manifestors in particular, they're not self, they're out of alignment expression is anger. So if you have a manifestor child, or a manifesting generator child, chances are they're going to come up with anger fairly often, right? Especially as they're learning what works and what doesn't. If, probably going to have a kid that stomps around a lot. So, how can you help them with that? Because typically manifesting children get squashed. You know, they're too much. They're too angry, they're too busy, they're too, you know, the word too comes in front of everything they do. And we set them up for a very tough time later in life by not letting them work with their emotions. So, if you have a manifesting child, We're not going to go into the blame-shame thing of whatever's been done in the past, but in the future, can you help them manage their anger by expressing it in a non-destructive way? What does that look like in your household? You know, for projector children, they will show bitterness when they're upset, when things are not going the right way. They get very snarky and sarcastic about it. Again, a parent can see that as a challenge. You know, don't you smart mouth me? What? And, you know, what does that mean? I have to be in control here. Newsflash, you're not in control. What you're here to do is to guide, to help that child learn, and to become everything they can be. Nowhere in that equation are you in control. You are responsible, yes, yes, but you are not the dictator. That's that's the thing. Some parents do get the impression from their own parents quite often that you have to be in charge or you're not doing it right. Well, that's that's a battle, and we're going right back to the hard parenting, right? So if you have a child that's a projector and they're being very sort of snarky and bitter, and oh, this never works, and it works for everybody else. Mm-hmm. That complaining tells you they're out of alignment. So how can you help them? What can you do for them to get them in a better space? It's giving you a signal. That too is a communication. And now you have a heads up on what that looks like. So it's kind of cool, right? I mean, look at it that way. You could look at it as, oh, no, this is terrible. How am I going to handle this? Or you could look at it as, wow, I just got a new tool. And you did, okay? Okay. Your manifesting generator, <clears throat> oh boy, they're going to get frustrated. They're going to get angry. You're going to have both. And they're very busy. So you have a lot to handle with a manifesting generator, but that's okay. Watch and see where they're going and what where do you need to intervene? How can you help them direct that frustration and that anger into a better channel? What are your coping methods? This is a a very key question here all the way through. As a parent, first look to yourself. How do you handle disappointment? How do you handle sudden changes in your day, for example? Because here's the thing about small kids. We often expect them to just pick up and move when we need to go. Okay, kid, we're going to the store. Let's go. And and you're going to take them. And then suddenly you're going to move them somewhere else. From the parent's perspective, we're busy and we got stuff to do, right? And no time for messing around. So, okay, but from the child's perspective, their their viewpoint of the world is this big. You know, it's small. So they don't have the information that you have. And when they're sort of moving in one direction and you suddenly take them in a different one, that is jarring. It's upsetting and they have no idea what's going on. So even if you say, come on, we're going to the store, they've had no time to process that information or figure out how they feel about it or anything. You've had lots of time, you know what you're doing, but your child doesn't. And then when we do a lot of changes for them, they get really upset and they really act out. Well, they're telling you, I'm overwhelmed. This is too much. I have no idea what you are doing, parent of mine, you know, could, could we not? So the answer to that is not that you never take them shopping. That may be tempting, but you know, we're still trying to parent here. So the answer is where you can forecast what things are going to be happening and what your expectations for their behavior is, you will do a lot better. So for example the kid in the store that is having a tantrum and wants their candy bar did you take the time before you went to the store to explain today we're not getting candy after we've left the store we're going to the park or after we've left the store we're having dinner and you can have dessert or whatever it looks like for you but if you the more information you can give your child at a level they can understand the more cooperative They have a chance to be. And yeah, I literally said they have a chance to be cooperative, right? Set your child up for success wherever you can. So if you can give them the information that they can handle at their age. So teenagers, they'd like to know what's going on too. Tell them, you know, you don't have to give them the first we're going to the store and you're not having candy. Well, okay. I said, you don't have to, maybe you do, but Work it for your child, the child in front of you, right? And that's going to help your child to be successful. It will help you have an easier job of doing the things that you need to do. So what are you doing that blocks your child's emotional expression? And what are you doing to help them with it? I'll give you a couple more tips at this point to sort of help them work through things. First of all, there there is a thing called polyvagal theory. Now, if you haven't heard of it, that's fine. doesn't matter. The thing from polyvagal theory that I want you to know is that when a human being is upset, their information highway, the vagal nerve, sends a whole lot of signals to the brain to release neurochemicals of adrenaline and... Cortisol, you know, your brain gets flooded with these chemicals, right? And your your brain is ready for fight or flight because you're upset. And so that's that's sort of how we respond as human beings. When you're upset like that and your bl- brain is flooded with all these hormones, you can't hear reason. This is one of the reasons why telling somebody to relax or calm down is guaranteed to cause a volcanic eruption because you're just pouring gasoline into the top of the volcano. I recommend you don't do that to anybody ever, not if you don't want them screaming at you. So that child cannot hear what you're telling them. They can't be reasonable right now. They're not there. So if you can give them a safe space to kind of lose the plot and then when they've gone through all of that, just sort of when, when they are actually calm, You can sort of ask them what was going on. What do you need? How can I help you? What did that feel like? What, you know, where did it come from? And be curious. You know, the the default setting for a parent, ideally, in the ideal world, is curiosity. What just happened? What, What did that mean? You know, like, where did that come from? Not judging something that you don't truly know is going on for your child, but asking them to express it to you if they can that that will be a tremendous help for future episodes right and the big thing that i would like you to, to take away from this part is again the world's dog is going to give you the frowny face and the judgments but you don't have to take them they they're just you know putting it out there because they're feeling superior right now and they have no business feeling <laughs> superior to anybody So you don't have to accept it. I recommend that you don't. Just focus on the child that you have. We are going to the second break. Can you imagine we're already there? Holy smokes. And when we come back, we're going to have some more goodies. If you have questions for me, let me know. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here on the Inspired Choices Network. You are listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships with me, Mickey Stone. And personally, I'm having a blast. So I hope you are too. Stay right here.
0: What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern. 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're still here and I hope you're taking lots of notes. If you have any questions for me, mickey at gaffinstone.com will find me. That's my email. Or look me up on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Look for my name and you'll find me. I'm the only one there, I believe. Um, I love answering questions about this kind of topic. So please do hit me up with whatever you need help with. And before the break, we talked about expressing emotions. And is it safe for your child to express emotions? Now, just to clarify that, you you might feel that it's safe. Like, well, I don't do anything to them when they express their emotions. But do you allow it? Do you even facilitate it? Do you give them a safe place to express those emotions? Um, An example, it's it's not exactly expressing emotions, but when my kids were growing up, two boys, sometimes they would have a lot of, you know, very sort of active energy and they'd start getting into a, a sort of wrestling match. And my response to that wasn't to stop them. It was just, i moved the furniture out of the way. You let them get on with it. And they would soon figure out what hurt and what didn't. That may sound drastic, but again, I did promise you at the beginning that this is some outside the box thinking, right? If you want your kid to have all the issues, limitations and concerns that you grew up with, then parent the way you were parented. If you want to do something different and break that cycle, then think outside the box. And I'm not telling you, do it my way. I'm telling you that these are some things that I have learned. How can you have them work for you? How can you have them work for the child that you have? You're here as a parent to guide and to help your child develop into an amazing human being that they have the potential for. And I don't care what anybody else has told you about your child. Your child has a ton of potential that you have no idea exists yet. Let them show you where it is. Give them the space to do that. Now, one of the things that we can do with kids right from the get-go, from as soon as a baby can reach for a toy, you can start with this. And that is helping them learn to make decisions and giving them the grace to make mistakes right? Because making mistakes is often where the the gold is. So for the baby, you must be wondering by now, like, what kind of decision can a baby make? Well, if you hold up two toys right in front of that baby, they'll reach for one. So that's a decision. It might not be earth-shattering, but that child is learning, I can grab this or I can grab that. When they're crawling, you can put a few things in front of them. Not too many, but two or three, maybe four and see what they go to. Put the other things away so that they can play with that thing for a while and then give them another choice. If you leave everything out and you have this you know, huge playroom full of stuff, they become overwhelmed. There's just too much stuff. And then they don't know what to do with it. And you can have a kid having a meltdown because they can't decide, right? So building that muscle of making decisions can start as soon as a child can reach and hold. You can literally work from there. Now, as a a toddler, the option is not, do you want to get dressed today? Well, it might be in your household, but generally speaking, that's not the option. The option can be, do you want to wear the red T-shirt or the blue T-shirt? Do you want to wear the white sneakers or the gray sneakers? You know, like whatever options you can give them where you're okay with either answer. That's the that's the key. Again, you're setting them up for success. What will you be okay with no matter what they choose? That's where you start for toddlers. And as you're teaching toddlers to put things away, it's really helpful if you get them to do one thing at a time. And as they get older, you can create something that in behavior analysis is called a task analysis. And you can totally do this at home. Absolutely. You take the task at hand, cleaning up the bedroom, and you break it down into the parts that it needs to be in. So if you've got a boy's bedroom and there are trucks and trains and books and clothes all over the floor, what's the first thing that you want them to pick up? Maybe the trucks. So you start with step one, and you can draw pictures if they can't read yet, but step one is pick the trucks up, put them into the box. Step two could be the trains. Three, clothes. And each time you say where you want them to go. And then when all of that is done in order, suddenly you find the floor. How cool is that, right? And you're setting them up for success. When we just tell kids, hey, go clean your room, again, it's overwhelming. There's just too much stuff. And, And where do you begin? And we tend to think that kids know this instinctively, but why would they if they haven't been taught? Think about that for a moment. We often expect that kids know things that we haven't actually taught them. So these these are places where you can help your child start to make decisions. And here's another thing that's really cool about having your kids pick a toy and then put other ones away or go fetch a toy, is you can start naming things. Name the color, the texture, the shape the weight, comparative weight, size, where it is in a a line of things. And you don't need them to repeat it to you. But the point is, if you keep speaking in that way, they're going to get all of that learning before they even go to school. How cool is that? You know, people love to learn, but they often don't like to be taught. Who likes a lecture, right? So hopefully this doesn't sound like one of those. Um, that, That would be sad. And hey, if it does, let me know. So there's decision-making when they're younger. Now, when they're hitting middle school and the hormones are going nuts and peer pressure is kicking in and you've got the you know the voices going up and down if it's a guy and you've got all these crazy things happening, my best recommendation to you at this point is find your sense of humor and hang on to that sucker like a life raft because you're gonna need it. Your teen is going through a lot and some days are going to be pretty rocky. Other days are going to be hilarious and some days will go well. So catch them being good. Catch them on a good day and let them know that you appreciate those aspects of what they're doing or how they're showing up or what they've said. You know, just just sort of catch them being good. Don't always go with the thing they did wrong lately right? And find areas where they can make decisions for themselves. Does it really matter if the child wants to dye their hair blue? I mean, if school's going to kick them out, then yeah, maybe it matters. But maybe. But if it's just you don't like blue hair, well, let them try it on for size. Would you rather they did it now or when they're 30? You know, they, they can try it when they're young. Let them try things that aren't sort of forever damning, right? Let them test stuff out and see how that works. I had a client whose child was just coming out of a whole lot of anxiety and getting getting into the social environment again, and it was Halloween time. He was going trick-or-treating, and this kid, with a sense of humor of a teenager, wanted to dress up as an eggplant. Now, if you know anything about emojis, you know exactly what I just said. And parents were horrified, but they had told him that they could. he could dress up how he wanted to. So I just said, well, let him, let him go out as an eggplant see what reactions he gets, you know, see how long he lasts. And he went to a couple of houses and then he went home and got changed. So, <laughs> you know, that was a case where he made his decision, he tested it out and he figured out how much he liked it and how much he didn't, right? So the parents could have put their foot down and said, you're yeah. not doing that. That's embarrassing. You know, you, you can't go out looking like that. They could have done that, but he wouldn't have learned anything. And he would be resentful that he wasn't allowed to make a decision. Right. So think back to your teenage years. What decisions did you really want to make? And your parents got in your way or your teachers got in the way and they wouldn't let you make those decisions. Now, some of them, maybe it was a good thing. that They didn't let you jump off the cliff. You know, I mean, I did that once, but I was attached to a hang glider, so it was different. You know, think about where were you thwarted? Where were you limited by your parents? Do you find yourself tending to do that with your child? And if you do, well, I'm here to say this is awesome. You're in the right place because you were learning that that's a thing and you don't have to do it. Now you can see it. So how cool is that, right? We are each here giving it our best shot. And I firmly believe that nobody intentionally makes a bad decision. You don't look at the thing in front of you and say, you know what? I'm going to screw that up today. I think I'm just going to do that really badly. Even if you're at the bottom of a bottle of tequila, your decision is still the best decision you can make given where you are. So, you know, your teen is doing the best they can from where they are. How can you help them to practice with that muscle and make decisions? And it's important when they're making decisions that you don't direct them. You know, you can make your own decision, but it has to be this one, right? That's, that's, that's cheating. That's not going to work. And if they make a decision you don't like, can you just sort of take a breath, keep your face as neutral as possible and let them get on with it? If you're concerned that there are repercussions that they haven't been aware of, you can also tell them, that's an interesting decision. Okay, what I see, can I tell you what I see? You know, can I tell you what's possible? With their permission, then you can say, well, if it goes well, this is going to happen. If it doesn't go well, there could be these things at the end, you know, these consequences. And you're just putting it as objectively as possible, right? Not your agenda, but your parenting here. You're letting them know what you can see is in front of them. And then let them make that decision. Again, so long as it's not something that's going to cause lasting harm or, you know, hurt somebody else, let them make those decisions. So if your kid wants to sleep in one day and go to school late and you've explained to them what the potential repercussions are, well, okay go for it, you know, and then and they go late to school and they hear it from the teacher and maybe they get extra homework or detention or something. I don't know. Um, you know, they'll, they'll have that response and then they get to decide if they want to do that again. So it's it's a learning place and they're learning it themselves. They're not learning from what you're telling them because we all learn way better from what we do than from what we hear. So I'm telling you these things, but it's really important if you want to try something different, if you want to parent outside the box, take some of the ideas that I'm giving you now. Think about how they could apply to you if they apply to you. How can you use them? And then go test it. Go play with it. Apply it. Because if you don't use it, you won't know whether it works for one thing, but you won't really learn how that fits for you if you don't test it out. Now, can you believe we're at another break? Holy smokes. I am Mickey Gaffin Stone, your host on Navigating Complicated Relationships. And today we are definitely talking about parenting the child you have here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're off for a break. Don't go anywhere. We are on 450 platforms plus, And I want you staying on whichever one you're on. See you in a minute.
0: What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffinstone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program.
1: Welcome back. I am so glad you're still here. I have a little bit more to give you. We're rapidly running out of time. And I want to let you know that next week's show is called That Is Your Friend. It really is. And I'd love you to tune in for that one because I have some things that may surprise you coming up. Meanwhile, hopefully I have a few surprises left for you today for parenting the child in front of you. If you'd like to contact me, please contact me via email, mickey at gaffinstone.com. You can check out my website, www.gaffinstone.com, or you can find me on social media. I'm in all the right places. So just look up my name and you will see me there. So as a board certified behavior analyst, I've got a lot of sort of theory and practice One of the things that we do with behavior analysis is apply it. The the discipline in psychology is called applied behavior analysis. So we test it, try it, use it, see how kids respond. And this is the key to anything with kids is test it first and test gently. You know, try it on small things first to see what the response is. And if you've been parenting the way your parents parented you, and some of the results haven't been what you would like, then know that it will take a little time to shift. Okay. Your child doesn't know what you're doing when you make changes in how you parent, but some things they'll just respond to instinctively and you'll see that they're doing better. Other things may take a little time, particularly if there's a sort of established routine in the house that might not be as positive as it could be. So I have worked with many kids with labels such as autism, ADHD, reactive attachment disorder, um, all kinds of things, you know, uh, oppositional defiant disorder. Now that is something it's, it's actually, it's an incorrect diagnosis. There is research out there that shows that that is trauma showing up in a child and trauma is any event that the child takes and makes a part of themselves that limits them, that has a negative effect. And it might not be something that you realize is traumatic to the child. So it's not that you did something, it is that the child has received something from their environment. So be aware of that. None of this is a blame thing, right? But if your child has been diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder, there is a very good chance that there is a lot of trauma that they are dealing with and that you could do with a therapist or somebody to really work with you one-on-one with that okay so i'd like you to continue to look at the child first and not the label but if you do have issues with your children's behavior if there's a pattern that you're in a cycle that needs breaking this is something i can help you with this is my wheelhouse and you can contact me We can do coaching in groups or one-on-one. We can do an assessment to see where you are and what you need. And I'll give you the tools to go do it. I take great pleasure in helping parents go do the job themselves. I don't need to be there all the time. So if there's a lot of places to work on, then I might just be able to help you. So let me know. And if you do have a child with a diagnosis, Uh, or you think that they ought to have one. What I would like to stress really strongly here is your child does not need to change who they are in order to fit in with society. They do not need to make eye contact if it's uncomfortable for them. Society can handle the fact that a child doesn't make eye contact. Sometimes we get very caught up in the label, in the diagnosis, and we want to fix things that aren't broken. We wanna fix things that aren't a problem. So if your child has a quirk, okay, that's fine. You know, Let them have it. Is it causing anybody any harm? Is it getting in the way of their progress? If the answer is no and no, then I see no reason for them to not continue with that behavior, right? Just because it looks different to the kid next to them. We began this whole episode with a discussion about how your child is unique. They are who they are. And asking them to behave differently, asking them to behave like another child is unfair. You will be far more successful and your child will be far more successful if you can meet them where they are and give them what they need. So if you do have a child with autism, then let me sort of give you a heads up here that a child with autism is very black and white. They take what you say literally, whereas most of us live in the gray area in the middle, very nuanced, very abstract. You know, so you say to your child, be nice. Well, OK, but what the hell does that mean? Did you actually define be nice? You know, other kids may learn it from context. They may learn it by trial and error. Your child, if they have that kind of label, probably won't learn it that way. And you need to explain it, give a definition it's nothing wrong with giving a definition. So when you're speaking to your child, regardless now of whether your child has a diagnosis or not, do your very best to look at the words you're using and use words that mean what you're trying to say. That might sound odd, but we often don't. There's this wonderful book called Amelia Bedelia and it's a kid's book. And if you read that, that child is, she's babysitting and she's left some instructions. Dust the shelves, draw the curtains, that kind of thing. And this child is a very literal thinker. So what does she do? She puts dust on the shelves and she draws a picture of the curtains. She did exactly what she was asked to do. And that's the point is it was exactly what she was asked to do. She did not go into the gray area, the nuance. So if your child has difficulty following instructions, look at the instructions you're giving them. And are you giving them enough time to process those instructions? So communication is vitally important. It is what sets us apart from the animals, but we spend a lot of time stuck in a place that doesn't make sense. That gray, abstract, nuanced area between the literal thinking is, well, you learn it by context. And if you don't happen to have that learning skill, Can you imagine it's like being stuck on Mars, trying to figure out what the Martians are saying. You have no hope of being successful. And that's gonna lead to behaviors that show frustration or anger or bitterness, depending on your human design and depending on how high up those behaviors escalate you. So this is a lot for you to think about. A lot of outside the box thinking, different perspectives, and I think we need that for these kids because the child in front of you is not like you were as a child. This world is wired. This world is kind of crazy right now. So you need to work to set your child up for success. And if you need help with that, I'm right here for you. So once again, send me an email, mickey at gaffinstone.com. You can look up my website, www.gaffinstone.com. And you can find me on social media, I'm all over the place. Shoot me a message and I will answer you. So don't let it be overwhelming for you and don't feel the weight of society so much because they honestly don't know what they're talking about. You know your child and your instincts are right. Your instincts will help you. So if you need help, come find me. Otherwise... I am so grateful that you showed up today. I appreciate you. And I look forward to getting your questions and your feedback. So if there's anything else that I can suggest, let me know. And if you have topics you'd like to hear, let me know.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Mickey returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey, and with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections.